Hi guys, Sean and Miriam here, and welcome to That Staff Room Podcast. Every other week, we will be chatting about all things school-related, from school dinners to Ofsted ratings. Join us in the conversation as we delve into the life of a teacher, the good, the bad, and the downright hilarious. Now, lesson is in session. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of That Staff Room Podcast. This week's episode is called So You Think You Can Teach, The Life of a Trainee Teacher. So this one's for all of you people that are thinking about getting into teaching, but also all of you trainee teachers out there. Isn't that right, Miriam? Absolutely. But it's also been such a fun trip down memory lane for us too. So for all those teachers who've been teaching for a little while, this will be a nice one to reminisce over. Do you know, my first thought is, gosh, that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like literally trying to cast my mind all the way back. And to some teachers, this won't even sound like that long ago because they're like, yeah, well, I've been a teacher for, you know, 30, 40 years. (laughs) Um, But I did my training about 12 years ago to become a teacher and if I'm honest it's kind of a bit of a it's a bit of an all merged picture for me because where I trained to be a teacher I'd been working there for for nearly two years prior so I'd 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 been like a a TA behavior manager kind of working in their inclusion unit supporting students and then I'd also been an unqualified teacher um, because in academies obviously you can have like unqualified cover teachers staff who do work and I had like a GCSE geography class (laughs) and um, was teaching a variety of different subjects so I was like I was already doing the job before I went into my training and I didn't want to go back to university to do a PGC. I couldn't afford to, quite frankly. Um, you know, you know what it's like. You're living in London. You know, I'd already done my degree and all of that. And so I needed an option that was going to allow me to still work and, and have a salary, but obviously train me to become a teacher. So I did the GTP, which is the Graduate Teacher Programme. It doesn't actually exist anymore, which is quite sad but I suppose it's kind of done through similar kind of things like the ITT programs that you get um like for example if you're you're in an art school it might be the ATT program and I'm sure other you know um big mats have a similar thing so yeah so I was um I was one of the last cohorts to do the GTP which meant that I was was trained on the job so got to still stay at the school that I was working at and um I got given a, a timetable that, that was quite high um I think it was like 18 19 hours and actually maybe it was more I think it was 20 hours actually it was quite a significant like quite a big timetable and um like when I look at it's funny um when I look at kind of all the support that all the trainees get nowadays and all the trick like all the things they have to go to and the CPDs and all of that yeah, we didn't have any of that. So it literally was, there's a classroom, there's a class, good luck. <laughs> that was what my training year was like. So yeah, I, that's, I, I can't remember huge amounts of it, but I do remember that. I remember my first initial lessons being completely by myself. We also didn't have like schemes of learning and things like to fall back on so I was creating lessons from scratch it was crazy actually thinking back of how much we had to do from scratch 
um but yeah that was my route what, what was your route because your route was a bit different as well wasn't it yeah i did a pgc so it was the okay. kind of quite traditional way of doing things mm. um and like it was the biggest music pgc in the country i think there's like 60 students on it okay so it was a bit different because i finished university and then went and did that straight away so i didn't you know i, I was i was used to being poor and not really you know mm. getting a wage and i just kind of rolled in in from one to the other and it was very different because you meet for a, a month or so, maybe two weeks, a month, and all you're doing is talking about it and like practicing. And there was loads of like, mm. this is how you teach this type of lesson. It was really cool because it's with loads of other musicians and it was really fun. And then you get placed, you have two placements. Um, so you're talking about teaching for so long before you actually get the opportunity to do it. <laughs> and I remember building up to this moment for so long and it, it was just to teach a starter so you know a 10 minute <laughs> segment like just a little activity a little musical warm-up and it was like um, mount everest doesn't it <laughs> oh my god and it's so funny because i taught it and then i um i didn't have anything afterwards that was all i had right mm. so i um i taught it and then i had to kind of hand the class back over to the teacher that was leading the class and i couldn't i didn't have one second more of things to do i just panicked i like i was looking at the teacher the kids were looking at me looking at the teacher and it was just you know i felt really it, it must be like you know there's people that can't speak in front of people yeah like and get nervous i think it's like that that's what it must feel like where the room is just like closing in on you yeah i, I remember that and in that basically must have been a month in of training to be a teacher so compared to you who like day one you got a class it was yeah. just a completely different experience um and then one day a week you'd be back at the university so you'd teach four days i say teach four days you're in school four days and then one day in and then slowly over the year your timetable increased and that's kind of how it worked so um yeah very different very different experience and when I reflect and look at NQTs and trainees now, I cannot believe how good they are so quickly. Yeah. And you know, like you sweat the small stuff when you're with them and you're like, mm. you know, you can obviously anyone that's new to teaching, you can find loads of things to work on. And like, but, but compared to what I was like at that time in my career, it's just mm. night and day, you know? Yeah. Um, I think they have more access to things than we did though you yeah, know even just sure. things like um being able to watch like video lessons or things on YouTube or you know like there's so much you can access online in terms of resources and mm -hmm. lesson plans and things like that that you know wasn't quite as big when we were no. maybe starting out and you know there's probably teachers that have been teaching for years and years and years they're like yeah we didn't we didn't have any of that we literally you know had a textbook or something yeah. you know and um i think i read books not from even like that, the 80s some of them yeah you know and it's and and it's funny because i think they are trainees now do have a huge amount that they mm. can draw on which is great because they they are able to, to take on so many 
more things than than we could and that probably does show itself in their quality compared yeah. to ours because <laughs> I certainly I mean it was sink or swim really and I did swim but it was it wasn't easy and it was certainly not monitored like I think I think my training year I was only observed three times the whole time mm. And yeah. and what was funny was I really remember this. So you know you had to get things like signed off, like your teacher standards signed off or whatever. You yeah. had to like say what your evidence was, and then your tutor would sign it off. The tutor that I had at the time basically was like, "Well, just just you you write it all, and I'll just scribble my signature." Like it wasn't her writing a report; it was basically me writing a report about myself. And my tutor goes, "Yep, yeah, that that's good." <laughs> like just sign it off, and I was like okay and they're like you know you had to do like reflection logs I think they still probably have to do something similar I remember spending so long on my reflection logs and when it came to my final review my tutor at the university literally just flicked through it (laughs) like you know when you like thumb through a book like really quick like you don't even look at the pages you just like do that thing where you flip through the pages didn't look at it and it was like yeah all good it's all there <laughs> and I was like hold on I could have literally photocopied the same piece of paper <laughs> just change the dates and that would have been perfect <laughs> why no, did I, I put so much effort in I had the same thing I must have put I mean it was a big A4 binder huge thing mm. and I did this because there's so many standards that you had to kind of show evidence yes. for and yeah. I I basically made an appendix and just numbered every piece of evidence and then made like a <laughs> yeah. spreadsheet that said this evidence contributes to this standard and this standard and this standard. Yeah. Honestly, hours and hours and hours, like just weekends of putting this stuff together hours. and like, you know, putting all, all emails in a folder. Like if I sent a whole staff email, oh, that's something. Or <laughs> sent a reward yeah. out, contacted a parent, like anything, yeah. I just sho- shove it in or there. Or a student writes, a student writes a thank you card. Oh, yeah, exactly. Relationships. Yeah. In Making it goes. a positive contribution, <laughs> you know, like all this thing. <laughs> but I'm, I think the biggest difference I, I noticed when I went to my NQT year, because obviously yours would have been in the same school, but I went yes, from was, two yeah. placements, which was cool because each placement you'd like reinvent yourself a little bit you'd be like okay Mm. I'm going to take what I learned from that school and I can start from a different position and it was the same Mm. when I started my first job different school different city and you know it was like yes finally I've got the keys to the car that's kind of how it felt like I had Mm. more ownership of what I was going to do you know I was given like the opportunity to plan a whole scheme of learning that like me and the other teacher would teach together mm. and I remember spending like so much of my summer just trying to make the booklet look good you know um <laughs> just <laughs> such a waste of time as well I made a pdf <laughs> document you know with it that you couldn't edit so yeah you learn don't you you learn but so yeah. much like I was so excited about it I think and just have the ownership of my own classes and not someone kind of like watching the whole time yeah. yeah you get a little bit annoyed about that don't you like I remember um in, it was actually in my NQ this is the funny thing in my trainee year I had my own tutor group to myself like no one bothered me I had them to myself and I loved it like I did I, I did so many cool things in my tutor group um 
and at that time you know there wasn't a set tutor program it was kind of do what you want and some people did nothing but I actually put together like a full-on plan for my tutor group so every morning was there was something you know great for them to come into and then I remember my NQT year being given a co-tutor of someone who was like a bit more experienced than me I remember at the time being really frustrated like oh do they not think I'm good enough to have my own tutor group like I had my own tutor group in my training year well, I've got having but I think the rules had just changed as mm. to NQTs being allowed to kind of be on their own with um like a tutor group or whatever or cover and all that kind of stuff got put in place but yeah it actually turned out to be a really great partnership with the co-tutor that I had but um yeah I used to get so frustrated when people would come in to to check on me because I was like oh, I, I was left on my own last year like I can clearly do this <laughs> so frustrating go away <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I I think I was an NQT the year after you based mm. on what you're saying so mm. I definitely had a coach tutor for my first year right um and then when i moved school because i moved school in my in fact even into my second year i had a co-tutor I, I don't think i had my first tutor group for like my third year of teaching or something oh really yeah yeah and obviously no that then i had a co-tutor it was like a thing like co-tutors <laughs> you've never was like, been you... trusted with your own tutor group i don't know <laughs> yeah well yeah that's that's a different episode with this like i had i had, I had a co-tutor who was like awful and i had to just go they're, they're yours on tuesday and wednesday they're mine the rest of the time i can't i can't um i can't be seen to be in the room whilst <laughs> you're allowing these kids to just get away with all this stuff Oh no. Yeah. But that's like, yeah, that's kind of maybe, maybe a, a different podcast episode. But like when I um when I first got a tutor group, it was way, way beyond then. It was more about classes and just like mm. having you know, those first year sevens, I'm the only music teacher they've ever had. They've got nothing to compare it to. Mm. There's no like, oh, Mr. X isn't here or Miss X isn't here. I'm gonna mess yeah. around because it's I'm with yeah. you now. It was like I set the expectations and yeah, you know, of course you still have those challenges. Um, because as you said, they're used to another teacher being there sometimes. And then yeah, absolutely. like, you know, I, I see it now. Like I see it now, you know, you might have taught a class next year and then someone else takes them on. It's a bit mm. little less experienced and you can see that they're trying it and testing them and seeing what the boundaries are now and how, how it's different. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was obviously everyone once upon a time. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to um, what we were just saying before about about the, the folder, right? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> you still got yours? Do you know, I don't. And I'm really gutted because I put in so much effort into that folder. Like, this is how much effort I put in. You know, like kidnap notes, like where people cut out like individual letters <laughs> of like a magazine and it's like they arrange it and it looks really cool and it's a bit artsy for every single teaching standard of which there was like a thousand back then um I created like a kidnap note style title page Why? so whatever the teaching standard was I don't know I can't even think of what it would have been <laughs> clearly you had like, more free time than anybody else on the MCT, you know? What's I really going on? didn't I remember literally staying up to like three in the morning doing this and my friend helped me like put it all together and um 
yeah I I just really I, it was like a piece of art to me and like obviously it was everything was kind of like paper copies whereas now I think they all have to go on like a yeah a, on a portal a, yeah portal online whereas we didn't have that so it was like everything was paper so it, like it really was like an art project really for me. <laughs> it like, took it so seriously like it had to be the most beautiful folder and then I think a few years later I probably lent it to a trainee and they probably just never gave it back but it was a significant piece of work in my life bigger than my dissertation for sure <laughs> yeah I, I remember like bringing mine in a couple of years later because it was wicked like it was an excellent piece of work if I didn't, yeah. don't mind saying so but absolutely like, I remember bringing it in and then just no one no one looking at it like the AQTs <laughs> nobody you know, cares like, whatever. yeah <laughs> but it's like how did you rope your friend into this you know like are they like oh, just saying, are you friends. sure that this is necessary <laughs> that absolutely necessary oh thank you so much for helping <laughs> And then they, uh, they I don't know. I've got a really it. good friend. I need to shout him out. Actually, James Thorin, you are the man because <laughs> I never would have got through my teaching training without you, clearly, because that was a very important part of the course. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I can really remember, like, I can really visualize being in his lounge and I had all my evidence just spread out because I think throughout the years I just collected, collected, collected and put it all into like a, a wallet and I just spread it out all on the floor and then was like okay let me put it into like the different standards the different teachings that okay that evidence is going to go with that and that da, 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 da. and then I was like cool right now I'm going to cut out all the letters stick it together and then you're going to put it all in like one pack kind of thing and and like help me stick it all together and yeah he did good friends Meanwhile, man just like loads of newspapers everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and magazines just with listen it's, it's called recycling. That's what I did. <laughs> I did my bit for the planet. <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. Do you have any, like, standout memories from your NQT and training year? Mm, do I have any standout? I think just, I mean, like I said, it's kind of all merged. And it all does feel, like, so long ago. Um I don't know. I think, you know, I, I, I do remember having some very challenging classes. Um, I think I spoke about them in, in the behavior podcast that, that we did. Um, and that being really difficult because you, you don't want to fail. You feel like you, you know, you're not a good teacher and, you know, have I chosen the right career? And is this, you know, am I doing the right thing by these students? And I think that was always hard um you know maybe when you had some challenging behavior you didn't know quite how to respond to it because ultimately student behavior is a response to maybe you and perhaps your planning or you know your own mood or their own mood that they've just brought into lesson but it's about how you respond to it and when you don't have the toolkit to know what what tool do I use in this moment like I've got this massive toolkit of stuff that I've been told to use and I don't know which thing to to pull out right now that's going to be the thing that makes a difference yeah I just remember that being quite overwhelming initially um but yeah I, I ultimately I had a blast like I knew the students I knew the school really well um and yeah I I, I had a really good time <laughs> I had a really good time I just got on with it enjoyed enjoyed every part of it other than you know, the three o'clock in the morning, putting that 
that binded together. I really enjoyed it. Actually, I do remember this uh, standout moment because we did have to do a second placement and I really enjoyed going and seeing how another school did things. Um, and that school, this is what I loved about that school, was number one, you got a cooked breakfast every day for free in that school. We didn't get that in my school. So <laughs> that was bonus numero one. Numero two was every Friday, they had Treat Friday where they had cakes in the staff room. There's a little theme that is running through. This. Yeah. <laughs> and number three was over there, my timetable wasn't 20 hours, it was like 10. And so I suddenly had all this space and time to be getting on with things, like writing my reflection logs that nobody read. <laughs> so I just remember that being a really refreshing experience during the thing. And, and just good to see how another school did things and how other teachers taught. And yeah, it was, I remember that being a really important part of the training. Yeah, I think for me, I just remember doing so much extracurricular like doing mm. loads and like getting involved with everything because you are so busy in your NQT year and your trainee year, but you're never like, I feel like I've only ever got busier throughout my career, Yeah, you know, and obviously that comes with taking on more responsibility and stuff. But I do think that the, the further you get down, the more is expected of you, obviously. And you know, the, the more you're probably seeking to take on as well. Um, maybe that's not everybody, but certainly is for me. Um, but although it is overwhelming and busy, ultimately you do have a lighter timetable. You don't, you're not expected to go to every single meeting. Um, mm. And I just remember doing so much extracurricular and like being able to plan extracurricular and, mm. and like create loads of resources for students and just, you know, I've got, loads of recordings from the then that kids would make in the studio and you know like I don't have the time to do that now you yeah. know as like a music teacher so that that's like one of the real fun things for me and like rehearsals at lunch and breaks I didn't have duties mm. and I guess for a for a performing arts subject mm. those first few years like you just have so much time to get involved with those things. And it's why you did it really. That's why you, yeah. you get involved to like teaching great, but like, you know, you want to put on the shows and like, yeah, of course. Get on the drums think... when the drummer doesn't show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Live vicariously through the students. Um, I think as well, something else that, that I really loved about those years was I had my own classroom and oh, so like yeah, I put yeah, so much effort into like my displays and the student work, like there was a real pride that came with that. But then the more you kind of, you know, work in schools and take on leadership positions and things like that, you know, the more you have to share your classroom. You don't have one classroom. Mm. I, I remember when I stepped into my first middle leadership role and being absolutely shocked when someone said, oh, that's, that's not going to be your classroom anymore. And I was like, what? Like, sorry what that's my room and like this poor new trainee came into my room and I was like that, that's that's my room yeah, <laughs> don't mess up my room displays with you you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah decorated I was so the house upset. for them and moved out yeah and I really took that kind of thing really seriously as well so I was quite upset about that but um yeah I remember that just being a really nice thing to be able to do because yeah you have the time to to make these beautiful displays and 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 things like that so yeah that was that was quite a nice thing 
nice part of it. Definitely. Of, like, more newspapers cut up and <laughs> <laughs> kidnap notes everywhere. <laughs> Not at all. So obviously we've talked a little bit about our own trainee and NQT journeys, but it does feel like it was a little bit of a distant memory. I think you'd agree with that, right, Sean? It was a long so time ago, yes. It was a it was a while ago. So um we wanted to hear from some trainees and NQTs that have recently finished their training and this one's a really special episode for us because we've invited on um, Hassan and Toby who not only are colleagues of ours who are training teachers and NQTs and we were all working together but they were also our former students and so I have taught Hassan since he was in year seven and Toby since he was in year eight so this is a real proud one for me hearing from them so I hope you enjoy hearing their story and listening to what they've got up to in their training years. All right, so we're going to jump straight into it. And so, Toby, I'm going to come to you first. Obviously, other than having such an inspirational teacher in me, <laughs> why did you decide to go into teaching? And what route into teaching did you take? Because it was a bit different to Hassan's. So could you just share share your route in and, and why you went into teaching? Yeah, of course. So obviously, like you said, I had great inspirations like yourself. You know, I had my own science teacher, Mr. Brian Caesar who um, really showed me the importance of having good teachers in my life. Mm. And something that I only really realized um, when I was older, like, of course, I think I did appreciate it whilst I was a young lad. But as I went through university, I did some tutoring myself. I was like, oh, it's kind of important that I had these people in my life. So I wanted to give back that same, like, experience in a sense. And it feels, it seemed like something that would be very satisfying, um, et cetera. Um, so that's my main reason. And of course, I love the subject that I teach, which is science. And mm-hmm. secondly, um, to answer your question about my route into teaching. So um, I did teach first, which is like a, I guess you could call it a graduate scheme type of thing. Um, two years of grueling hard work, uh, <laughs> which I did because I really just wanted the name teach first on my CV because at the time it seemed like a great idea. Um, don't get me wrong though, I do believe in a lot of the Teach First vision, which is, you know, to make sure every child has the right to a good education, right, at, at the core, I do believe in it, mm. but um, over the last two years it's made, like, the programme is so full on, but... <laughs> no What's full on? What's full on about it, Dave? What's full on about it? What's full on about Teach First? Like, there's so many meetings. Saturday meet. oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> <laughs> I remember every morning I would wake up 7am, why am I awake at 7am getting ready to join something at 8 o'clock until like 4 o'clock on a Saturday when I'm 20, I was 22, 21, like what? <laughs> my, my mates, you know what they're doing? They're in Ibiza, Albufeira, all of these different places. I am doing Saturday meetings. But, you know, it, it was grueling because you had the four essays that we had to do over the mm. two years. You had the full-on timetable in terms of, okay, so my peers would have been on, let's say, 8, 10, 12 teaching hours. I got slapped in straight away on the 18. So it's like, whew, it's a lot. It's, it's very full-on. But, you know, I'm grateful for it. I think I learned quite a lot, especially over those first few months and that mm-hmm. first year. Um, so, yeah, you know, no regrets. Of course, I do think a different method would have been a bit easier. But yeah. 
regrets. You were definitely thrown very much into the deep end. And for me, it was quite it was quite amusing to watch. Um, not because I'm sadistic, but obviously seeing yours and Hassan's journeys were quite different. Because you obviously did the teach first route, but Hash, yeah. you went a slightly different route. Could you kind of share your route into it and how it was so different to Toby's building yeah. 7 a.m. Saturday morning wake ups? <laughs> So what everything to everything that Toby said, think of the opposite. That was my route. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I went through uh, the ATT route, which is the uh, art teacher training program. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of starting on 18 hours, started on actually slightly less than what Toby said, uh, six hours instead of eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be fair, I think I think six hours was a bit too low. Right. Too much. Was, oh, just, too low. Uh, too low. Too low. <laughs> you were just sitting around thinking about how to plan a lesson, which isn't going to turn out that great. Um, <laughs> and you had so much time to to plan that lesson, and it just didn't go well. Um, I, it's a bit like driving. The only way of getting better at teaching is by teaching. Mm, um, good point. So I had a, I had a slower route into. Uh, teaching and a bit more of a comfortable ride than Toby's. Um, <laughs> and you were both in the same department, weren't you? We were both, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're both science, so it was very, very interesting to see the difference. You know, that's what made it worse. Not interesting, that's what made it worse because <laughs> instead of me having someone who was on a similar level of pain, I always used to go into the staff base in my free periods. He's just sitting there. You're right, mate. <laughs> No, I'm not okay. I'm not. I'm not alright. I'm not alright. But you know, well done. Good Welcome to teaching. Welcome to teaching. Did you make like, like cups of tea at least? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, didn't you do that? No, none of that. You didn't help me recently. 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 recently, you did. Yeah. Okay. But we're talking about in our first year. Yeah. This, uh, this is about yeah. your your trainee year and your exactly. NQT year. Yeah. <laughs> and you were fair. just out here planning terrible lessons and Toby's drowning in the in the teaching so thinking back to that first bit that first initial part of your training can you guys remember your first lesson and what it was like I remember my coach he was he was telling me um you got to get the expectations down first that's the main thing that uh matters the teaching you can always sort out later on and the content don't rush through the content you know, just get the expectations down, get the routines down, and then the the content comes later. Uh, you can always fit in content later on when you've got good routines and you can whiz through things. However, if you've got bad routines and uh, you're trying to get through content, then you ain't going to get through anything. So uh, that, that's what I remember in terms of the preparation for it anyway. Mm. Um, and I still have the slides which I use every year that I made in the first year. My expectation, 100%, respect, all of that, you know, all the fun stuff. What I do remember, though, I was like, wow, this is really easy. Like, this is really good. Everyone was listening. But of course, you know, that's the first, you know, they're feeling you out. Then, like, two weeks, it's where, you know, it's a bit left. But I do remember that first few, those first few lessons I taught. Oh, yeah, it's not not bad. It's not too bad. 
I remember like back when I was NQT training, you guys were miles ahead of where I remember being at mm. that same time. And like, you know, having just been thrown in the deep end has clearly served you guys well. Um, and Hassan, I remember your routines as being a real strength of yours when I first mm. saw you teaching. So, you know, it's clear that those things that you really focused on at the start have uh, Toby's, paid dividends. Toby's routine's not so great. <laughs> you know what? No, so I, I remember seeing toby teach and it was just it was just like he was having a chat it wasn't like there was no like i'm at the front in a and good way you must listen while i'm talking not saying mm. you're always and you're like that Hassan, but you know um uh, toby just, was just carry like, on thinking, carry on thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it was just more like if it, it just the kids were they were hanging off your every word kind of thing toby when i when i saw mm. you teach for the first time and it's obviously interesting because i remember you both as students so it's i was you know keeping a keen eye on you guys but what was the biggest difference between your NQT year and your training year? Yeah, much more parity in our second years, um, mainly due to the fact that the timetables were pretty much identical and we were teaching quite similar classes or if it was different, it would be like, okay, he had a top set in one year group. Um, I had a bottom set in that year group, but then he would have um, a bottom set in a different year group, which I would have a top set for, so yeah. And how did you find that jump up in hours then, Hassan? Um, I think it was about time. Um, I like I, <laughs> I get bored sitting around, so I, I I did want it. I did want to just get into it. Um, however, it did help that that extra time in my training year did help with oh, what I want to do next and um, doing those extra things that I wanted to do. Um, which led on into like NQT and then onto NQT plus one. Um, but like, like Toby said, and, and be, being good friends from how many years now, 10, 12 years now, it, mm -hmm. it helps with with just one, we, we can communicate with just the way we look at each other. Um, I, I, I know if his lesson is going well, just by the way he looks at me, uh, yeah. if I'm walking past his lesson uh, and vice versa. Um, and, and the same goes with if I did need any support with, with anything, whether that's uh, behavioral or uh, curriculum based, there was always someone to fall back on. Um, and I think I think that was a real strength um, for both of us, I'd say, um, to start at the same workplace and having that relationship and having that trust between us. Mm. Did you both really know that you were going to be teachers like when you when you were at university? Did you have that conversation like we're going back to yeah. work together? We had that conversation and uh, it was that was it that summer or before the summer? I think it was before the summer. Because I, I, I didn't even know he was uh, coming into the school until until that summer. Um, and I I got, I got the role in February, I believe. And I think you got it slightly later in terms of uh, like your actual placement, finding out yeah. what school you're going to. So it was a bit yeah. of a, wow, like, what a small world moment. Um, but it was kind Sorry. of fixed, right? So, because you did teach first, Toby. Yeah. So, with Teach First, for those of you that don't know, any of our listeners that don't know, you kind of apply to Teach First, and then your then the the Teach First program places you into a specific school, doesn't it? And it's you know there's certain schools that it obviously works with, and the school that we were part of, obviously 
you'd reached out to me and been like, oh, I'm going in to teach first, whatever. And I reached out to our principal and was just like, Toby's going through teach first. Can you pull some strings <laughs> so that we can get him back into school? Because obviously it's a great story, isn't it? Like a student that came here, grew up here, went through sixth form, you know, left from here and now you know is coming back as a teacher that's a great thing for the community to see happen and that's obviously you know something that we wanted to make happen so we kind of did pull a few of our special strings with teach first to, to get you into the school so it was a little bit of a fix I have to admit and obviously with Hass as well there was a bit of a we really want him to be here <laughs> yeah it was slightly easier because it is through the same uh, organization so yeah the strings weren't pulled that tightly for no. me but yeah definitely it was really it was really nice it was it was a really nice moment actually having you guys back in obviously having been your teacher and then seeing you as colleagues obviously that's a bit bit weird but how is it for you like coming back into the school that you yourself were students in and then being teachers and then having teachers like myself like Sean who were actually your former teachers that were now your peers and colleagues and people you would go to the pub with <laughs> <laughs> okay i've got a lot and actually not a lot to say on this but i've got a bit to say on this because my biggest thing was in the first year when i walked around saying sir to sir miss to every single person because it's just like <laughs> i know your first name but it's a bit i don't really want to <laughs> you know you know and then i remember it was a great man safeguarding lead at the time uh richard bronson he was like so you know, you don't have to call me sir anymore. You can just call me Rich. I looked at him and I'm like, you sure? I said, like, you really just call me, like, just call me Rich? I was like, okay, I guess this is the beginning of something new from them started calling people by their first names. And I think just the dynamic, I think at first, even on the other side, I think some teachers might have found it a bit like, oh, like, what can I say to Toby, et cetera, et cetera. But over time, like as we start to become more ingrained in like, okay, he's gonna stay here, he's a teacher, this is what he's doing. I think they open up more and it's like you become part of the staff body. Mm-hmm. And it's still crazy because like I think back to when I was a student, I'm like, wow, so teachers like this was going on between teachers or like they were normal people, they're just talking it's like yeah, it's interesting seeing let's say both sides of the coin, sort of, yeah. I still have um problems with calling teachers by their first name uh for example our associate principal always miss all right miss okay miss so obviously it's a bit different because you obviously were students in the school but I think it's actually quite normal for trainees to probably feel a little bit like that overwhelming moment when you first step over the threshold of a staff room <laughs> you know it's like oh yeah. the other side <laughs> and <laughs> and actually addressing teachers by their first name rather than miss or sir yeah I think that's quite a normal thing for for a lot of trainees to face but you didn't have a normal trainee or NQT year did you because obviously COVID hit oh yeah yeah. so how how did the pandemic affect your training years smack bang in the middle of first year I remember we had to oh now it's coming back to me it (laughs) it hit us and then we had to prepare like summer packs over like no what was it we had what was it we had to do we had to like record our lessons record our lessons want to record our lesson and then I was still doing training on like how to plan a good lesson and how to do this how to deliver a good on lesson a Saturday. 
<laughs> but then like it's not matching up with what you have to do on recorded lessons because it's a whole different way of delivering mm. teaching a whole different way of students learning so it's like the the education theory that I'm learning on my course I'm not really able to apply mm -hmm. it to yeah what I'm doing because of COVID I remember there was that long stretch even there was a stretch where I just wasn't teaching and it's like wow I came back after like not after the COVID but after like the first bout uh, we could say like before the second lockdown and it just felt I remember me and Hassan like do I even remember how to teach like how, mm. how do I and yeah it really did hit us so actually yeah now I'm thinking about it, it really did it really did it really did mm. yeah but the second lockdown that's when we had to do more online teaching yeah. um and that was a different ball game on its own uh <laughs> asking students that are mute and taking like two minutes um, <laughs> like you can literally hear some like them watching something in the background or playing playstation yeah. um uh, and like just forgetting to pause it when they are mute to answer a question um <laughs> and it's always like, oh, so what was the question again can you repeat it and it's like you just feel like saying oh, if you shut the tv you would know what the question was and obviously we couldn't have the cameras on safeguarding etc so you don't even know if the kid is looking at the screen or not um it was it was a very 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 different way of teaching but i think i think aspects of that helped my teaching now so with um there was a lot of dual coding through um through the online teaching um and we had to because we had to rely on our voice and using images because most of the time our cameras were off as well um and students can't pick up on certain actions you do uh, certain facial expressions and I, I, I think those little um, things make up teaching as well it's not just what's on the slides it's not just what mm. you say even a face that you pull is like oh, okay I remember he did that face when he was explaining this so I remember that um, so I, I think that that did impact us quite a bit as well when you came back um, it would have been such a long time since you were in a classroom. Did you feel like you picked up from where you left off or did it take some time to get back into it? It was worse for us, wasn't it? We weren't in science labs when we came back. We were in normal classrooms. Mm. And I don't know how much you guys are going to agree with this. Actually, Sean, you might, you might see some similarities here. But you start to realize how hard it is to manage behavior in a science lab or a music room uh, when you go into a normal classroom. Because behavior was like, nearly perfect when you're in a normal classroom by, by default by default they're all looking at you whereas in a science lab they're all facing side to the left one to the right one, one face in the back so so one part of your behavior management is already sorted they're already facing you. so mm -hmm. that side of it was easy however just being in that at that room was just i don't know uh, i didn't get the same vibes it, it didn't feel like i was teaching science for a while um because because of the atmosphere because of the because of the environment i think you guys you know hearing you guys speak obviously I, I come from kind of a humanities background so those are kind of challenges that i wouldn't have even considered but but in addition to obviously the pandemic you're obviously training there's there's a lot of challenges that you're facing way more than the average teacher would typically face in their training and NQT year but what was your biggest challenge like maybe put aside pandemic for a moment what's been your biggest challenge in in the training years or in the NQT year 
I, I think what I'm about to say will be, this might be the first time, apart from obviously the roots, because Hassan's route was 10 times easier, but this might be the first time where we're going to have a difference in what we say, because I think for me, mainly in the training year, so I say mainly in the training year, it was older year groups. So I was struggling to have my identity, not my identity as a teacher, because I knew what type of teacher I was going to be, kind of like what Sean said, I'm very laid back, like talk, you know, but it was in terms of solidifying my authority because I looked, actually I still, I looked the exact same, but I came <laughs> in, all the kids were like, so how old are you? So are you, are you actually a Are you <laughs> And with the younger years, you can just brush it off and shy away because I am actually yeah. so much older. But with like, I remember that first year, it was my year 10. I know they just treated me like I was 16, 17 years old. That was, that was what I was getting from first year. It was so bad. Like, there was even a kid. I told this to has I told this to his brother because I teach his little brother now as well. I remember I said something. Then the kid's looking at me. He goes, so you're waffling. Then I said, oh. <laughs> I was like, girl, ever since, like, I remember that ingrained into my brain and then I had a chat with him, like, and then since then, it's like I was more purposeful in creating that boundary and creating that, okay, cool, yeah. I am HR type of thing. And like, I know yeah. what I'm talking about. You're here to learn from me. So this is how it's going to be done. So that was my, in second year, it was more like I, I got it. The kids you knew me. You established it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But first year was like, I did. I had imposter syndrome myself because yeah. these kids are saying, are you actually a teacher? I'm thinking... Am I actually a teacher? Like, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> but like over time, I developed that, and I think I'm in a very good spot now. Where like, yeah, they all know that's me, Sarah Fuller. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's such a good one, actually, because I remember feeling the exact same way. Just that imposter syndrome is massive, and I think. Oh, Hassan, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I hope you say yes. But I taught Hassan when he was in year seven, and that was kind of around my training kind of time. And um, and I was getting mistaken for for a student all the time as well because you just you look young, you feel I look young, right? Has yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> still do. Still I was, do. I was young. Thank yes. you. That's the correct answer. Still. I was young, and I was constantly getting like stopped by like security guards when I go to Tesco because they'd be like, "Young woman, we're like, young lady, where are you going?" And I was like, um, "I'm a teacher. I'm allowed to go to Tesco." Um, so that, yeah, I can definitely concur with that. Absolutely. Um, Has what about you? What was your kind of biggest challenge? Oh, I think um, the fear of coming across that you don't know your stuff um mm. now so even though science is classified as one subject essentially it's three different subjects okay mm -hmm. um physics is different to biology which is totally different to chemistry now i have a chemistry degree toby has a biology degree um so us teaching the other two was the equivalent of a history teacher teaching geography or um, teaching RE, which I do know sometimes happens if you are a yeah. geography teacher as a trainee or, or yourself, Miriam, you teach like <laughs> 10 different subjects. Um, <laughs> you, I do know that does happen, um, mm. but it's a regular thing in our, in our subject. So it's like 
um, teaching the physics side, am I going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about? Is the, is right. the student going to ask me a question and I'm just going to be like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, luckily, luckily, um, I've got a face that just doesn't seem phased, even though <laughs> I, I, I might be going through the worst thing. Um, but I just, I just look like, I just have a neutral face at all times, even if I'm happy, if I'm angry, whatever. Um, have you ever taught something so, wrong? Like, yeah. and then like later on, but you just had to lie. <laughs> <laughs> or a kid's asked you something, I'm, you didn't know the answer. You're just like, yeah, yeah. it does equal MC I've, squared. I've, I've had, you have to double down at, the, at that point. Yeah. You just got to yeah. Google it really fast. Honestly, honestly, I think they forget what you say anyway. So... <laughs> <laughs> you tell them the wrong thing as in because usually when you tell them the wrong thing is because you're taken aback by a question as in you weren't prepared prepared for it like mm. obviously you plan that you're going to teach this the only time I've ever said anything incorrect is when I'm trying to think off the fly or I just really wanted to answer someone's question so I've tried to piece some science in my own head to answer it but then there was a time I've gone back to that student like, oh do you remember when I told you this you know it was actually wrong I said, wait, sir, when did you tell me that? And so I'm like, so clearly you're not listening. You just wanted to ask the question for question's sake. I think, I think that happens though, doesn't it? The more you teach something, even if it isn't your specialism, the more you can anticipate certain questions. Because mm. like you said, Hess, like I've had to teach quite a few subjects over my time of which I wasn't a, a, a specialist of. And, and you know, number one, it is okay to say, actually, I don't know, I'm going to get back to you on that. Mm. Like that is, is always is. okay. Like yeah, I think yeah. we do feel like, oh my gosh, I, I need to have the answers to everything. Like whenever I get put on um like a... <laughs> a maths cover or something like oh no like this is this is not gonna work but I think it's okay to say I don't know I'm gonna get back to you um but also just the more you teach it you get used to and and you know you get used to the content and anticipating the questions that come up but it must be more pertinent for you guys as science teachers because there is such a science teacher shortage so you're probably having to pick up a lot more pieces the most trainees that is definitely for sure now I know we don't have a huge amount of time left so we do want to wrap it up but um Sean I don't if you've got any further question you wanted to go into before I ask my final question rather than go what's your biggest piece of advice perhaps maybe think of what was your biggest piece of learning that moved you on in the time of your NQT year maybe it's the best piece of advice you were ever given make sure that the boundaries are clear because it comes back to what I was saying about my teacher persona and like, et cetera. Because I'm, I like to think I'm open as a person. I'm open with the students as well. But once you start to blur the line between teacher and student, it ends up messing the dynamic of the teacher um, and what your, what your job is meant to be. So I would say try and keep the boundaries as clear as possible. Of course, be a great teacher, be understanding, be, you know, someone they can talk to you. But at the end of the day, remember that you are their teacher and there's certain things that you can accept, you can't accept. And that will help build a foundation for a good teacher-student relationship throughout the rest of your time at the school or any other school. Get down your routines. You get down the routines, the, the rest comes later. Um, and one thing that I do, which I learned from another colleague, uh, if you sweat the small stuff, the... The, the things that no other teacher thinks about, right? And no other teacher has a routine for, then they, they follow the other routines very easily because it's like, okay, this, this guy, this guy is going to be on my case if I don't do this right. 
<laughs> so for example, in in my lessons, if you want to drink water, you put your water bottle in there and then I will nod at you and you can drink your water. Mm-hmm. And 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 you explain the reasons behind that. Are you on the science app? You don't know if there's hydrochloric acid on the on the desk, the other one you to ingest something. <laughs> right? That's 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 one side of it. And then there's also the other side where it's like it's like uh it's taking time away from your learning. Some people just look at their bottle, what's in mm. what's the ingredients in your water bottle? Like, come on. Um or, or they're constantly sipping every two every two minutes. So um, having that routine keeps it more um, focused on the work. And another one that I do is we have plastic wallets with our assessment folder, with our exercise book. If your name is not visible through the plastic wallet, then you'll get a sanction for it. I haven't got time. Don't waste my time trying to find whose book it is and open every folder and or whoever is handing out the book. So... You got to sweat and those little things help with the routines in the lesson. Yeah. Someone said to me once, if you sweat the small stuff, the big things rarely happen. Yeah. Mm. And it's something I've always tried to kind of keep in mind. It's true. I used to make the students make all my blinds the exact same. Oh, I don't know if you I remember, remember that. that. I remember that. With your, <laughs> with really your, with your quote. Yeah, I had You're a quote and it top. all had to be in line. So it lines up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Well, we're coming to the end. Um, but thank you so much, guys, for your time. Really, really, really appreciate it. I don't know if you've got any final words of advice to anyone that's considering going into teaching. Um, anything that you would say to them, you know, maybe they're at university and they're not too sure of their next step and or even whether they should go to teach first or do something like the ATT program. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know what Toby's going to say. But um, any any final words of advice? Now, before you embark on the Teach First journey, ask yourself, are you ready to commit? Because it's a big commitment, right? I thought I was ready to commit. I don't know if I actually was, but I got through it anyway. Right? So actually, like, this is banter aside. Ask yourself, are you ready to commit? Because it's a lot of hard work. It's a, a big learning curve. I had a lot of people that I started with who are no longer teaching because it was it was very 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 hard to do but at the end I think it's an invaluable experience and like I say not that I'd do it again but no regrets that I did it so that's what I would say before you embark on your teach first journey and if you're just talking about getting into teaching in general do it if it's if you're passionate about helping the younger generation if you're passionate about what you want to teach please go and do it research the other methods sorry other other routes and yeah great job um as long as your why is clear everything else falls into place anyway um like, like you guys were talking about in the first episode of the podcast like unless you're an english literature teacher then you've got another option um then no i think it's a great I think it's a great profession. It's so rewarding. Uh, you guys were talking about um, the rewards of uh, becoming a teacher in your previous podcast and saying how that um, the little things where you see your student many years down the line and they've said, oh, I've become this and they still remember you. Um, or that, that Ian White moment where um, he talks about his PE teacher. Mm. Um, so those moments do happen. Um, obviously me and Toby are still early in our careers was what three years in um mm-hmm. so those big moments won't happen just yet and I know they're down the line and they will come eventually Definitely. however there are little little victories um 
when you've got like the worst behaved kid in the school um misbehaving as usual and then you you walk into the room and then they just turn into an angel um and it's not because i'm any better than the other teacher it's just because we've got a good relationship it's because mm. i have connected with that child in in a in one way or another um and we do that day in day out um whether we know it or not we've reached that point in our podcast where we show and tell we shine a light on something that perhaps you might find useful and this week i want to shine a light on the harvard business review now i follow this through linkedin and it's just a page that you can follow but it's one of these like eerily kind of relevant things so if i log on to my linkedin and i'm feeling a certain way i don't know how it manages to do this but it seems to have some advice for me just all the time so it might be i'm really tired this week and then it pops up on my timeline and goes 10 strategies to avoid burnout so i don't know if it's following <laughs> to life. You. yeah through linkedin <laughs> but it has so many great articles written by professionals um, across a range of industries but just to look at a few now is don't let the perfection be the enemy of productivity perfectionists tend to make three big mistakes that interfere with their ability to prioritize their most important tasks a very interesting read great leaders are thoughtful thoughtful and deliberate not impulsive and reactive so there are so many articles and pieces of advice and little nuggets of information that you can delve into um, and they post daily as well so if you are maybe one of the 13 million followers that they have um, i'm sure you find this useful but if you are not give them a follow and um, hopefully you'll find something useful so our final segment of today's podcast is education news i feel like we need a jingle actually for that sean you know um, but we are going to be talking about what's the latest in the world of education now the dfe have recently published statutory school uniform guidance for the first time and they're looking at uniform policies of schools up and down the country and thinking about how they can be refined and i thought this is a really interesting article they obviously are focusing on things like um not making the uniform too expensive for families and not over branding uniforms like, do we really need branded socks for students? Do they really need branded bags? All of that. And the government are trying to kind of reduce um, some of those things just to, to, to lessen the burden of finance and the family. But I thought this was an interesting topic because it's very current right now, thinking about a school uniform, you know, especially in a, an environment where gender neutrality is really important and thinking about is the tie a little bit outdated? Does that really say professionalism these days? And so wondered what your thoughts are on that. Should school uniforms start to be changing? Should schools change their policy more than the DfE statutory guidance has already said? So get in the comments. Let us know your thoughts on this latest news. That's all for this week, folks. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to connect with us on social media. Just search That Staff Room Podcast. Links are in the show notes. Get involved in the conversation by leaving comments and messages. This podcast is all about sharing ideas and building connections. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you're feeling kind, then leave us a review. Five stars are most welcome. Until next time, top up your coffee, sharpen your pencils, class dismissed.